Thank you, Pastor. Love you, Pastor. Now, I do love Friendship Baptist Church. It was trying a village first time I came here. <laughs> then second time I came as Friendship. And this time I come and boy, what a difference. And the auditorium and all has changed. And Brother Tim, I know what it takes to put on something like you did today. Uh, you're to be commended. And choir, you did a great job. And uh, everybody, thank you, men and women that served, I salute you. I had the privilege to serve my country. I left high school, I was 18 years old, joined the United States Marine Corps. And within six months, I was on my way to Vietnam after I finished boot camp and infantry training and grew up overnight, I tell people, because the first firefight was only one day after I'd been in country and I learned what it was about to fight for your life. And I appreciate every one of you that served. My dad was there in World War II. I had a, I wear a Pearl Harbor I had a, his half-brother was in Pearl Harbor when they bombed it. So uh, I love my country. I tell people all the time, there's three things I'd give my life for. My God, my family, and my country. And I, I'm in that order. And I, it's such a privilege to be here today. I was kind of torn over what, what to speak on today. I was going, uh, I'd been studying Second Timothy chapter 2, being a good soldier, enduring hardness. But about 2 o'clock this morning, the Lord got my attention. And I'm glad He did, because what the message I have today kind of fits in with the program that uh, you've experienced here today. Uh, I, I hope that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I hope that it, if you're not saved, before you walk out these doors today, you'll know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not about me. It's not about what I've done or what you've done. It's about what He's done for us. And we need to remember that as we go through life. You say, well, i got a long time to live. Well, I had a sister die at six months old. She thought she had a long time too. You know, you don't know. The Bible says for what is life, it's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. We know not what's on the morrow. We know not what a day may bring forth. So hopefully something I say this morning will help you to be a better Christian or to become a Christian. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. <coughs> and I, I'm just going to read one verse for the sake of time. I want you to, I, I, I want to be able to cover what I want to cover without uh, uh, going into a lot of detail uh, uh, or examples that I could use, but 
I want to try to be a blessing to you today. I have never been in any greater patriotic Veterans Day ceremony than this one today. Never. And I've been, I've been preaching now be 40 years in March. I've been a missionary for 33 years this coming June. Uh, this church has supported me for over 30 years. And we've tried to make sure you got your money's worth. I know we failed miserably. Uh, but we'll be going back to the mission field in May of next year for 90 days. We do relief work now. Uh, we go around uh, anywhere they speak English or English. <laughs> Mississippian, they can understand that. Then, then we go there and try to be a witness to them and help them, and especially to our military families. Uh, just this week, we were having our missions conference at our home church, and uh, um, a couple there that surrendered under our ministry in 2016 in, in Japan uh, was in there going to the military. Uh, two weeks ago, Wednesday night, I got a phone call from a young man that surrendered while we were there saying he had, uh, God had just spoken to him about uh, coming. Uh, with BIMI being a missionary to the military. Uh, we got another one that's out in California right now, just uh, went to a retirement ceremony. He'll be coming with BIMI in June, uh, working with the U.S. military. All three of those men surrendered in 2016 while we were there uh, helping Maranatha Baptist Church to get over the loss of a pastor and helping them call another pastor. So uh, we, we try to stay busy. My wife makes sure that I have no idle time. Uh, most of us have honeydew list. I have a honeydew pamphlet. So I, I got a lot more to do. Ezekiel chapter 22, and I want to use just one verse this morning. I'll let you stand, if you would, uh, stretch your legs while we read this verse. Remain standing till we've had prayer and honor God's Word. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. Sad testimony of Israel's condition. Can I say to you, as I look around America, I see many things happening, just like they were happening here in this passage. God is still seeking for a man. Father, I pray now that you would uh, unite our hearts together this morning. Oh, Father, I pray that you would hide this preacher behind that blood-stained banner this morning, that uh, I, uh, people wouldn't see me. They wouldn't be looking at a man this morning, but they'd be looking to the man Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, this morning would you do for us what we would not do for our own selves and could not do. 
Would you please do something to us this morning now so you can do something through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, starting over in uh, 20, uh, verse 23, we find Ezekiel goes through a list of the people that God was, had, had searched out. Uh, he started with the princes and the leaders and the government, and, and he could find nobody. Then he got down to the people in verse 29, and he couldn't find anyone there that would stand in the gap and make up the edge. I've asked myself often, what does it take for you and I to be able to be that kind of person to stand in the gap and make up the hedge and, and, and do what we need to do uh, for our great country and our great God? I'll tell you this morning, I look around and I don't see many people standing up and filling in the gap and walking alongside of those. We have a lot of preachers getting old, but we don't have a lot of young ones coming on. Our missions uh, in our independent churches especially are really falling off. We don't have a lot of young ones surrendering. And I don't know what the problem is, but I want to give you the, the requirements for being a man that fill in the gap. When I, when I was in the Marine Corps, there's one thing I always depended on, and that was that man on my left-hand side and that man on my right-hand side, because I knew he had me. If something happened to one of them, that meant that we had to carry more space and pick up the load. I always wanted somebody I could trust on my left and my right. When I was in a fighting position with an M60 machine gun, I wanted somebody there that would help me uh, in the time of need. If I needed ammo, I needed ammo. I didn't want to have to wait for it. I need somebody I can depend on. The Marine Corps has a motto, just a few good men. I think all the services should have that motto. It just takes a few good men to do a great job. And we all should be willing to do that for God. You see, I saw men killed in Vietnam, no doubt. They went straight to hell serving their country. Because nobody had ever told them about Jesus. Serving the country won't save you. <laughs> Being a good soldier won't save you. You got to know Jesus as your personal Savior. What are the qualifications? Number one, you must be converted. I'm not talking about having your name on the church rolls. I'm not talking about being somebody that went through the waters of baptism. I'm not talking about somebody that attends Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I'm talking about somebody that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody that knows Him personally. My friend, I'll tell you something this morning. He is the dearest friend I have. 
He's a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Do you know him? Have you been to him? He, t- he tells us that, uh, in uh, Romans uh, 10.13, Whosoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. I'm a whosoever. I remember the day when I called upon his name and asked him to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins. And he did. Oh, today, you know, and, and being down south here, you see, I was raised over in Mississippi. And uh, I was raised on a little one-horse cotton farm and one mule. We didn't have horses. Couldn't afford them. Had to have an old mule. But uh, about 10 years old, you know, you go forward and join church. So many of those folks think they're saved because they join church. Can I tell you, going forward and joining church don't save you. You must first of all realize that you're a sinner. That uh, the Bible says all have sinned come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, that wages is what you draw every week when you work. The wages for your sin is death. Eternal separation from God. I don't care how good you've been. I don't care what you do as an individual. If you do not realize that you are a sinner and ask Jesus to save you, you will die and go to hell in your sins. Boy, that's hard, preacher. Yes, it's hard to say, but it's truth. So if you want to be a man to stand in the gap, number one, you must be converted. Number two, you must have some convictions. You see, when, when, when I joined the Marine Corps, I didn't go get an Army uniform and put it on. I didn't go get a Navy uniform and put it on. I went and got me a Marine uniform and put it on. And I wore the Marine Corps emblem on my collar. Not the Army, not the Navy, not the Coast Guard. Because I had some convictions about who I was and what I am. And as a Christian, I've got some convictions about some things. i got some convictions about this blessed old book. My friend, this book here does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. There's nothing in here I even believe the cover uh, it says Holy Bible on here. And I believe that. I believe that every word of this is for me and for uh, the guidance in my life. It is what I need. There is nothing in my life that ever happens that I can't find an answer for in this book. It keeps me above water. It, it uh, makes me a better daddy. I've not been a real good one, but I, I tried to be one. Uh, it makes me a, a an okay husband. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say nothing. <laughs> uh, but 
having some convictions about the work, Word of God. My friend, look, if you go a week without the Word of God, there's something wrong. If you can go a day without it, you ought to feel like you've lost your best friend. And you can say, well, I prayed. And if you're not reading the Bible, you don't pray. Because if you don't let him talk to you, he, you're not going to be able to talk to him. You see, you've got to have some convictions about the Word of God. Then you need to have some convictions about the work of God. The work of God is important. We need laborers in the field. Uh, 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 worldwide. Oh, listen, there's places opening up today that if we had men and women ready to go, they could go to the mission field and they could serve the Lord Jesus Christ there. Some young people. I didn't, I didn't go to the mission field until I was 44 years old. Because nobody told me. Maranatha Baptist Church, Okinawa, 1976. My wife had just been saved a few months while I was in OCS. We went there. I'd never been in an independent Baptist church. I didn't know what they were. I thought everybody was a Baptist. Because I'd raised Baptist, and I thought everybody was Baptist. I mean, but then I found out you could go first class. You could be, first, you could be an independent Baptist. And Dr. James Kennard was my pastor. And then Brother Ed Gibson, Possum Trot, Kentucky, <laughs> became my pastor. And boy, I'll tell you, did we have fun together. And it was there when God started dealing with me. But it wasn't until I left there and got to Hawaii at Kualau Baptist Church, where I surrendered to be a missionary. I had to build some convictions about the work of God. You see, if, if you're not actively involved in your local church, you don't really have a concern for the ministry of God. And you should have. Just walk up to Pastor Johnson and say, Pastor, I need a job. He'll have a heart attack. <laughs> then uh, you get him, after he gets out of the hospital, he'll find you something to do. <laughs> I know, I, look, I know. You know, we had a saying in the Marine Corps, 10% of people did 90% of the work, 90% of people did 10% of the work. Nothing could be truer in a Baptist church. I'll tell you, it's hard to find people with convictions about the work of the Lord. Are you converted? Do you have any convictions about the Word and the work? Then you, we need somebody with communion. I am afraid, Pastor Johnson, about 90% of the Christians say their prayers. But they don't pray. 
Can you, this morning, if we just started right up here and walked down every row and said, give me one prayer you've had answered in the last 90 days, what would be your answer? God says you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask a mess that you may consume it upon your own lust. Do we commune with God? Do we really talk to Him like we really believe He wants to hear from us? Do we really get down and just tell Him our heart? The last year I have spent countless hours trying to help the men of our church to have a prayer life. Just to learn to pray again. You know what's happening to our churches? Is that we're not praying anymore. What's happened to the grandmothers and mothers praying for lost children coming to the altar and you hear them wailing and crying out, Oh God, save my husband. Oh God, save my family. We don't see that anymore. We've lost that communion with God. We, we want the preacher to go visit it and do it. We want one deacons to go visit and lead them to We want, But we don't want to spend the time and the effort at the old-fashioned altar with God, begging God to do something for us. Study at the altar in the Bible. That's not where lost people go. That's not where people with troubles in their life, uh, a sin in their life go. You can confess sins sitting right where you're at. But when you want to get a hold of God, you get to the altar and you talk to God and you plead with God and you commune with God. You know what? He'll answer they quoted that verse. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. America needs healing this morning. If it's ever needed a revival, America needs it today. And the way we do that is exactly by the way God said. Commune with God. Are you convert, converted? Do you have convictions? Do you really commune with God? And we need someone with confidence. Do you have confidence in God? Can you trust God? I mean, <laughs> you know, we say we do, don't we? We say we trust God with anything, but then we go out and enable ourselves to do what we want to do. That's not faith. Faith is trusting God to do what He says He's going to do. If we will trust God to do what He says He'll do, you'd be surprised what He'd do for us. 
You'd be surprised the difference he would make in your life. Young people, you'd be surprised what God could do through your life if you just had the confidence in him that you need. You can totally trust God. You, 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 I, I, I want people to trust me. But I can tell you something. I can fail you. I have failed many times on things. But I got a God that has never failed. It is impossible for him to fail. And that's what we need to do. We need to have compassion. Jude 22 and some having compassion made a difference. How about that person that works on the bench next to you? How about that person that's uh, uh, out there with you every day you see them? No other Christian may ever come across their path. Do you have compassion for them? Do you see them as Jesus Christ sees them, lost and undone without God and His Son? Do you see them in need of a Savior? You see, we've lost that. We expect somebody else to do it. Now, I know this church expects me to go win souls because you support me as a missionary. I have no doubt. If I wrote the pastor and told him I just decided that I didn't need to win souls anymore, I wouldn't get support next month. Do you feel the same way about yourself? Do you think you should do the same thing you expect me to do? Do you do, uh, think you ought to do the same thing you expect the pastor to do and Brother Tim and, and, and your deacons, your Sunday school teachers? You see, we need to have compassion on the lost. We need to have compassion on each other. The, the brother, the sisters that's hurting, the one that's going through trials in their life. Last week we had to attend, had two funerals to attend. And I mean, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. People are hurting. And Christians don't seem to have that compassion they used to have for each other. And then finally, you need to have commitment. See, being converted, you can be a you can be saved and not be a good Christian. You can be saved and and, and not be a good church member. I believe that. But because we're not committed to things. You see, we we come on Sunday morning, but don't ask me to come back Sunday night and Wednesday night. Don't expect me to be here for Sunday school and Sunday morning. You see, that's the way we look at it sometimes, unfortunately. But we need to have commitment. 
When I was in Vietnam, I, it was years, years after I'd been on deputation before I realized. I l looked around. I tried to find good, a good illustration for commitment, but I found one of my personal life. I'd been in country probably six months and been in a lot of battles and, and, and things and, uh, you know, it just, that was what we did. That's what we were there for. But one afternoon, our lieutenant came out and said, man, we got a hill to take. And he drew a picture of it up on that a little chalkboard he had. He said, "Here, here's the hill and gave us the name of it and the number that, you know, military numbers, everything. And, and he said, here's, where we, here's the way we're going to do it. Do you know what that day? The enemy did not bother us when we were sitting down there making plans. Do you know the devil doesn't care if you come in this church and sit on the pew every single service? He may not ever bother you. He may have you right where he wants you. But I'll tell you what happened when we started out that night about midnight, started going up the side of that mountain, that hill, it wasn't a mountain, but it was a pretty good-sized hill. We run across his outpost. Guess what happened? He started shooting at us. Can you imagine that? When you walk out these doors and you start putting into action your Christian life, the devil's going to shoot at you. The devil's going to attack you. The devil's going to make you wish you could shut up. But the love for God makes you keep talking. I saw Marines die that night. I saw Marines fall. But I never seen any turn and run that night. They went on, we went on to the top of that hill. You know why? Because we made a commitment. We made a commitment sitting down in the rear with where we had all the gear at, making plans. We made a commitment that day to take that hill that night at all cost. Huntsville is a full of lost people dying and going to hell. Will Friendship Baptist Church make a commitment to them? Just a short distance down here, you have an army base full of people. Some of you stationed there. How many of you stationed down here? Active duty now. Anybody? But they're going to die and go to hell if they're sent out to war if they, somebody don't reach them. You see, we need to make a commitment to that. We need to make a commitment to each other. When Pastor Johnson and the church here took us on for support, I made a commitment to them that I was going to be the kind of 
Christian God wants me to be. And that's what God wants all of us to do. Just simply. Let me ask you. If you've been converted, are you taking your place in the gap? Are you filling in the gap that's there? There's some that's not here the last time I was here. They passed on, went on and graduated out into glory. Who took their place? Will you make up the hedge? Will you fill that gap for somebody? I had to come off of the field full time. Because uh, Agent Orange, I got heart problems and lung problems and all my problems internally. I need somebody to take my place. I left a hole. I need someone to fill the gap. Are you converted? Do you have any convictions about the work of God and the Word of God? Do you, do you really have a concern for the uh, folks around you? How about your neighbor, the people you meet every day? Do you commune with God every day? Do you just sit and talk with Him and meditate upon His Word? Oh, how we need that. It would change the face of our churches. It would change the face of our cities and our communities if we had Christians that were just committed to the things of God. Now, every one of you may be full-time service here. I don't know. Uh, pastor hadn't told me anything. I don't know anything. All I know, I was invited to come here and preach, and it's a great honor for me. But I do know this, in a crowd this size, there's probably somebody lost that's never accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Can I talk to you for just a moment? Just, just one moment. If you died right now, if something happened to you on the way home from church today, And you're not saved, you know what would happen? You'd go to hell. Even though you've been in church today, you'd go directly to hell. What a shame that would be. God loves every one of you. And boy, you've seen an uplifting and inspiring Inspiring program today. It makes me want to re-enlist and join the military again. They don't take old people, especially old fat people, but God does. God will take you just like you are if you just come to Him.
Warren Harding said, service is the supreme commitment to life. Are you serving God? Are you committed to him? Father, we come now to the time for us to do business with you.